And now, Mom Unplugged. Hey, welcome to episode four. This is Lavender Lemonade. And this is Big Daddy. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, well, I guess it's not really different, but new still, because we're still kind of finding our, our footing with our podcast. But anyway, um, so this week we were talking about introducing you guys a little bit to something that is part of us, something that is really personal. So um, I am giving you all a very, very explicit disclaimer right off the bat. This podcast is going to deal with sex. Lots of it and some, <laughs> it's a very taboo <laughs> topics. So if you have kids, I highly uh, recommend that anyone under the age of 18 get your butts to bed right now. You don't need to be listening to this. <laughs> And for everybody that's over 18, um, please stick around and listen. So um, anyway, I was actually searching this week for something to, to well, kind of to talk to you guys about. And, uh, you know, my mind's always in the gutter. I'll be completely honest. <laughs> it is in the gutter probably 99.9% .9 of the day. One um, of the things that I love <laughs> about you. Exactly. I'm glad. I like it too. <laughs> and... Um, Anyway, so it, it's something that I've been wanting to really dive into here on the podcast. I wanted to, you know, let you guys know that we're normal people on the outside. On the inside, it's definitely, um, you know, very, very different. <laughs> uh, so anyway, t uh, sex is a very important topic for us. We, um, we, our lifestyle in particular is really centered on sex positive, um, sex positive living, really, and of course. Uh, we we maintain a very vanilla lifestyle in front of our children. That is something that we really uphold. Um, we don't, you know, engage in anything that is is in sexual in nature, uh, you know, with with children or anything like that around. So I'm just laying that out there right up front that um, behind closed doors in our private life, when we can take our parenting hats off. Uh, we really enjoy relaxing and being ourselves. And when we first got together really that was a core conversation that we had up front very early on uh, when we met each other we had a very deep discussion that, about what we liked what we didn't like what we were willing to do what we weren't willing to do um, and uh, I'll be honest we met on fet life <laughs> and so fet life is awesome uh, and it's a place where if you're if you're not familiar and this is truly your first um, time going to this website, or if you don't know what we're talking about, I recommend um, maybe doing a little bit of research on it. And I will let you know up front, it's a very, very explicit web website, um, not for the faint of heart. If you're going there for the first time, just be prepared. Please keep an open mind, no judgments. Um, but I think it's, it's, it is very explicit, but I think it's also maybe important to that everybody should know that while it's ex it is explicit, it is not trashy um, because in many ways it certainly is very much everyday people who have found a space to, to really talk about themselves, to really let themselves um, show who they are and a very friendly place by by most um, most accounts, um, it's certainly. I, I we, we certainly don't want you guys to think that it's a. Oh, I'm going to click on it, and all of a sudden, oh my God, my eyes, my virgin, virgin eyes. It's certainly not something like that, but it it is certainly a space that is very sex positive, which also means that it is very much not safe for work. Though, mm -hmm. let's face it, in in the time of COVID. Um, not many of us have to worry about our supervisor looking over our shoulders and seeing what is on our internet browser. But <laughs> yeah, definitely use incognito people. If you don't know what incognito is, please start using it. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, 
sex positive lifestyle is something that I have been brought up in a, in a world where sex was very much an open topic. Um, I don't believe for two seconds that anybody should ever be ashamed of themselves. And I was brought up to, um, it, it was actually very conflicting kind of upbringing for me because I, I came from a, a household where sex was very much a open topic and it was always talked about in terms of making sure, you know, consent was always number one. You always made sure that you were safe, number two. Um, you really worked your your butt off to ensure that everybody, um, you know, for the most part, know, knows what's going on here. Um, and it's something that was very important to me. And then I got out into sort of the quote unquote real world and away from from what I considered to be the norm and realized that sex was very much a taboo topic for most people. And it made me actually really sad. Um, sex is such a beautiful, fun uh, you know, stress reliever. It, it can be an amazing experience, uh, an artistic experience. It can be a spiritual experience. Um, and it's something that I, I value very deeply in, in terms of, you know, being a part of my relationship. Well, I, I think it's interesting too, what, what you just said for the two of us, how um, your experience growing up of sex being openly discussed and and embraced in discussions at, at at home is very different from my experience and and I think it goes to what you were talking about a second ago about how when you got out to the quote unquote real world um and obviously for me there was a very much a cultural aspect too um I don't think we, I don't know if we ever mentioned it in this, um, in this podcast. Um, we are, uh, an interracial couple. I'm Asian. Um, so for me, I came from very much more of that Eastern conservative culture. Sex was never talked about at home beyond the, Oh, how are babies made? And the, well, just the general talk of safe sex. Beyond that, sex was not a topic of discussion. So the that ex, the, the difference in our growing up and experience itself was was an interesting discussion for us, I think. But somehow both of us kind of converged in the same spot in at this point, at this time in our lives, where both of us have become very sex positive. Definitely. It's, it's one of those things where, um, I think most of the, at least for, in my experience, getting more out there and, in, in, you know, the real world a little bit, it's, it's really interesting to me to see so many people closed off and so many people sort of shy away from it. And it's, it's just not something that anyone wants to talk about. And it was really shocking, shocking to me. Um, I couldn't understand it for a long time. And I had to sort of open, open my eyes and, and take really analyze the fact that I was being judgmental. Um, that I, I was, I was putting myself out there more so, and almost to a point of being uncomfortable for a lot of people. And my, my best friend can certainly attest, um, to, to that over the years that I was, I was the one really out there and outgoing, but, um, just because, I felt it was okay. Didn't mean that everybody else, you know, needed to be comfortable with that either. And I needed to be very cognizant that I was making people uncomfortable. Um, so over the years, I had to learn to to balance being in vanilla lifestyle or being in the vanilla life as well as you know expressing myself in another way. And um, I was actually very ashamed of myself for a long time. I, I was in a very very bad marriage for a very long time where my sexuality was was seen as you know it was slutty it was it was whorish it was something that should be hidden it was something that needed to be you know uh just buried deep and not for anybody else to to witness and you know you can't think that way you can't be that way you can't masturbate you can't do anything um and i'm i'm bisexual i'm very much i, I love women <laughs> i love men equally and, you know, being in a marriage where I actually have the freedom to be open about that has been probably the one of the greatest experiences of, of my life and 
opening myself up even more so to what experiences are out there. And I, I was pretty well, well tuned into, you know, the, the sex positive world, the fetish world, the BDSM world um, for a number of years, just on my, on my own sort of privately, because I couldn't express that in the way I wanted to in my, my marriage at the time. Um, it made for a very, I, I was angry. I was ashamed. I, you know, at one point I was, I was very suicidal because of it. Um, I mean, I think from what you've told me about your past experiences that the idea of someone really liking sex or someone who wants a lot of sex or someone has, who has a high libido or high sexual appetite, um, or a varied sexual appetite, um, that it was somehow bad. And, and I suppose in some ways I shouldn't be surprised by that. Um, and, and I'm putting the nerd hat on here for, <laughs> for a second. Um, kind of understanding the, in some ways that Puritan history of American culture, right? You, we, we still hear about um, the, and I'm not trying to be political here nor being judgmental, but there is still a very strong vein of the um, Christian conservative or the, the Puritan values um, that, that I think in many ways still, um, fundamentally colors how sex is viewed in American society, especially if you compare it to um, the European society and European cultures, for example, where sex is very much embraced. Um, but it's... It, We're it, coming it's, around, though. We're coming yeah. around. Like, there's... I've actually... My first experience in into the world of... A fetish and into like really what what captured me i'll be honest i was 14 and i my my i was homeschooled um but i did have a teacher that would come visit my home every every week to give me new assignments and things like that um <clears throat> and i again i came from a very very hippie family very hippie area um in northern california and it was um you know my teacher was very encouraging in terms of getting me to read and being, you know, 14, 15 years old at the time, um, you know, my, I was, I was boy and girl crazy, like, like to no extent, it was, it was ridiculous how, how crazy I was. And um, I couldn't really settle down that, that much. And so my teacher um, said, hey, listen, I want you to, to take a look at some of these books and tell me what you think. And she gave me a bunch of Anne Rice books. And among the Anne Rice books was the Anne Reclaire books, um, the Beauty Trilogy. And I had never read a book like this before. <laughs> I had I had very little experience in terms of, of you know, sex and, and sexual things by that point. And that being my first true erotica, my first true understanding or, or experience with sex, um, it set me up. <laughs> no, no. And, and I've read portions of it. Um, We've read some of it together. We listened to it on um, Audible um, together. All that I can say is is that for those of you who have read the Fifty Shades series and thought that was edgy or <laughs> taboo, um, Fifty Shades becomes G-rated um, com compared to to oh, this so, series. So and, badly written on, on top and, of it. Exactly, and and like both from a literary arts standpoint and from an eroticism standpoint, uh, the beauty series is head and shoulders better than Fifty Shades. However, with that said, I think um, to your point earlier about how society is kind of starting to come around to being more sex positive, to being more open to to the lifestyles or the fetishes, um, they're as poorly written as I think those books are. Um, I think some credit still has to be given to the Fifty Shades series because I think they very much brought the idea of the BDSM lifestyle 
into the into the mainstream. I mean, hell. To, I, to be fair, though, when that first came out, there was an uproar. Like I can remember, I and like I said, this was totally behind closed doors when you know my I, I could be by myself and go on FET. But man, the uproar that was in the community over over that book series and how it was portrayed, and um, it's it I. I, I fully agree with you on that, that it brought out the topics and it made it something to talk about and giving us a voice, but. Oh, it, I, I absolutely man, agree. Like there, the, had, there was so much backtracking that had to be done. I mean, there yeah, were some expectations I mean, there that do not exist. Yeah. Well, I mean, then also, I think if you talk to people in the community, they all, one of the things that they all say is 50 shades should be called 50 shades of abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, because, and, and, and and by the way, this is one of the things that we're hoping that um, not necessarily in one episode alone in this episode, but over time, as we kind of come in and out of this topic and talk more about it um, in, in the future, too, is to really dispel what a lot of people think BDSM mm -hmm. or the lifestyle in general is about. And also in many ways to adjust the expectations that I think the Fifty Shades series really did a disservice on a different level to the lifestyle. Um, because I, I think it, while I think there was the, the, the interest that it generated or kind of like the, I don't know if tantalizing is the right word, but the reason why people gravitated towards it as a fantasy was because of what it portrayed as a really taboo um, subject or taboo conduct or activity. But I think what hopefully you guys will find as we talk more about it and kind of explain our version or our um, our own way of doing interpretation of it um, is very much different from the books. And I think if if you guys ever get to talk to other people that you know who are in the lifestyle, I think you'll find that they all have a very similar position to it. And there was a frustration I think in the community to that series of books because it made both sides, whether it be the dominant or the submissive feel that what they enjoy or what they see is in many ways twisted or perverse. To be fair though, and especially with this particular topic, because B BDSM or fetish or sex positive, there, there are so many different terms for or, or subcategories within a, truly an alternative lifestyle, um, especially when you're, you're dealing with a, an alternative lifestyle centered on sex. It's, um, it, it's just really interesting to see the variance in colors and, and different subgenres and how deep you can really go into it. And, you know, I, again, it's been something I've been um, you know, exposed to since a, a very, you know, young age, I was 14 when I was exposed to B BDSM in particular, um, you know, through that book series. And it definitely sent me through, um, you know, a self-exploration. And I was brought up to have a, a pretty darn good head on my shoulders. I, I will have to give my folks credit for that, that um, in many ways, I, I really went into things with a open mind and understanding that I needed to be well educated before I dipped my toes into anything. And I was well over um, 18 by the time I had really dipped my toes, you know, personally into it, physically into it. But um, in, in terms of like the 50 shades stuff, you also see, you know, some of the other things I, I saw that I, I don't know, no matter what you do, you're not going to please everybody in the crowd. Um, but some of the better ones that I got into that truly explored eroticism and what sex positivity was about and self-exploration um, that made me feel better about myself were with things like The Secretary. Um, there's a movie uh, called Fur. Uh, it's a very underrated movie, and I wish more people would talk about it. But it's Nicole Kidman and Robert Downing Jr. in it, and my God, it's it's truly a masterpiece in terms of a woman finding herself and exploring her sexuality and exploring exhibitionism, which is definitely something I identify myself as, as an exhibitionist. Um, but her exhibitionism with, with having to go against the mainstream and finding herself within a community that is accepting of her differences and accepting of her, her varied palette of, of what she enjoys 
um, you know, that was eye opening to me and, and probably one of the, you know, main points in my life that helped me accept myself more. You know, and, and, and I think we all go through that, that journey of accepting that, Hey, you know what, this is what I like. This is who I am and that it is, and that it is okay. Um, in fact, it's not only okay, it's a beautiful and can be a great thing when you find the right partner to, to share that life with and, and to explore. I mean, like you and I have had conversations where um, you, you yourself through your own experiences have talked about how what your past experiences were, were not we're very different from what we have. And, and I think there are still times um, where we are, we, we are in a position or a situation where we have to confront some of those past experiences mm-hmm. and, and in a sense, recalibrate and say, hey, you know what? I, I think the term you had used is like first impressions. Yeah, that, that, that's a good, great point real fast because you just said first impressions. <laughs> When you go into anything sexual, and this is a, a huge point I want to I want to make that I I wish somebody would have said to me, and I really hope that this this helps somebody else out there. When you first go into something and you're trying something new for the very first time, especially if it's something that maybe your partner wants to try and you've not thought about it previously, um, you know maybe it's something as small as as using a blindfold for the first time or something as extreme as some pet play. Um, really go into it knowing that your first time doing it may not be what what gets you going about it. It may not go well the first time. It may be something that you need to stop throughout and say, you know, have your, you know, make sure that you have a you're communicating well with your partner, but if this is your very first scene or your very first time that you're trying a new a new thing, stop and ask, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Is this okay? Make it maybe part of the play where you're whispering in your ear or in her ear or in, in his ear. Um, you know, Big Daddy does that with me a lot where if we're in the middle of something new or, or even in a scene that he knows might be a little bit, you know, might be pushing my limits a little bit, um, he'll frequently stop and whisper in my ear, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And just knowing that there's that additional care there and it's a it's a reminder. And for me, that that's what I need. Uh, for other people, maybe they don't need a constant reminder. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think one of the things though that, like for us, it was it, it was a, maybe a little bit easier because we both had had that streak in us anyway, so to speak, that we were both. Um, in in the lifestyle and you know me i'll try anything that but i think what what it also does in a in a relationship um obviously you get people who are into bdsm who have no relationship beyond truly just the dominant submissive but for us as a couple um in a romantic relationship in a marriage i think what it actually also does is it opens up new channels of communication um and the, the thing that, it may sound cliche, but the thing that you're going to see if any of you do more research or interested in it and start reading up on things like that, which by the way, I highly encourage you all to do because this is one of those things where the more you know is truly invaluable. Um, but communication is always key. Um, and one of the things that you and I talked about um, very early on was in in many ways dispelling um, some of the notions that you had had or the belief that you had in many ways because of your past experiences. That the BDSM being... was a very difficult thing for me at, at first to to really embrace physically. Like I, I enjoyed reading about it. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed you know it, thinking about it when I was you know masturbating or playing with myself. But the idea of it being done to me, I, I had a very difficult time with that because I, I was of this world where women needed to stand up. They needed to, you know, not be a submissive or, or not bow down. Um, and I, I will fully admit I have a very dominant streak in me. I am very independent. Um, but there is something very alluring and, and 
enticing about being able to drop my guard and allow someone else to, to be completely responsible for every part of me and knowing that they enjoy and want that for me so that I can rest my mind, so I can rest my, my soul for a little while. But I think one of the things that I remember us having to talk about um, was for you to also recognize, though, that being a submissive doesn't mean giving up your voice. Right. While being a submissive Absolutely. may mean giving up voluntarily transferring that control and the decision making. It doesn't mean that you don't have a voice to say, hey, this is what I like or this is what I more importantly, sometimes mm -hmm. this is what I don't like um, or to say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And as the dominant, I always look at it as it is my job and my role to then take your input and using that to then make the best decision. Not really not for me, but what is the best decision for you and for us so in many ways the way that and again by the way they i i'm not saying that all doms need to think the same way so this is purely my version of it <laughs> and my interpretation of it is my the the enjoyment that i get is the fact that i become a caretaker of you my desires are incorporated into everything that we do, but more importantly, your desires, your dislikes and your likes, um, your limits, whether they be soft limits or hard limits, are all incorporated into my decision making. And honestly, I think one of the biggest things that I, I want to throw out there here is in any BDSM relationship. And honestly, th this is what attracted me. Um, you know, I, I, I consider myself a relatively intelligent human being. I'm at the doctorate level. My, my, um, my husband here, Big Daddy, he's also at the doctorate level. We work in professions where we are, have to be at the top of our game all the time. And I was of the mindset where I was, I was already through a shit relationship. I was already through, you know, shitty multiple relationships and I didn't have time to waste anymore with a bunch of assholes or, or playing the game or trying to figure each other out. I, I really wanted to be with somebody that understood true communication and just laying your shit out on the table and saying, this is what we're working with. Are we willing to work with each other? And uh, when, when we got together and we started having these conversations about really what sort of relationship we wanted and, and everything, um, that... I, I, I've been in other relationships where I was a submissive and the worst thing in the world is when the, when you're, you're dominant or your, your guide, your mentor, um, you know, anyone that you're looking to as some sort of, you know, a teacher in this capacity, when they don't have your best interest at heart and they're in it just truly to get their rocks off, it's a very bad situation. And so having those types of conversations up front, um, that's what attracted me to, to, to this type of lifestyle was there was more emphasis placed on open and honest communication and a heavy high level of trust. Um, I couldn't find that in any other relationship before. But I, I think what you were talking about just now, though, um, in terms of finding someone whose concern is not just to get his rocks off, I think for me that... It is very easy for me to not have to place that as a priority for myself um, in terms of getting my rocks off. Um, because A, I get much more pleasure from making knowing that I'm giving giving you pleasure anyway. Um, you know me. Like for me is if if I can take you to that point over and over and over again, I'm a very happy man. But I think it also makes it a lot easier because I also know without a shadow of a doubt that you also enjoy giving me the pleasure or getting me off. So I don't have to put myself as a priority. I don't have to worry about getting myself off because I, I can focus my attention on you because I know that 
you your tendency and you naturally want to then it's not even reciprocating it's just that's just how we we naturally are so now just just to give you guys a, a heads up this was something i had to learn to accept and i don't know if any other submissives had to go through this or um you know if if you are the type that tends to be naturally submissive or even for a dominant for that matter if you've had someone in your relationship like this I had to really learn to trust that what that person wanted was my best interest. I had been hurt so many times by so many people that I had such a, a significant distrust in this idea that somebody could want to see me happy. Someone could want to spend that time on me without expecting something physical in return, that they, they were enjoying seeing my enjoyment. And I'd spent most of my life being a caretaker, being a wife, being a mother, being a teacher, being, you know, and everything to all of these people and giving myself, how could somebody possibly want to give me so much in return and not expect something right away back? That's, that was incredible to me. And, and I think for you too, and we talk about this um, every now and again, and just so that everybody knows, like a lot of the things that we're talking about um, sometimes like difficulties of trust or things like that it's still stuff that we we go through every now and again like we oh, certainly yeah. we certainly don't have it perfected um but that's where the communications come in look we i will be the first to say that there are times when we have some fights or arguments that are just absolute doozies <laughs> i tend to like to hit below the belt and i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um but but i think to to you to your point, though, that is for you, I think what I've noticed is sometimes it's not just the distrust, but the part that I think for me um, really strikes me more in a deeper way is the guilt that you feel sometimes mm -hmm. that you are you are receiving the pleasure or getting the attention paid to you. And you feel and guilty. Moms are already pre-hardwired pre to feel guilt. Like we feel guilty if our baby's crying. We feel yeah. guilty when the kids are hungry. We feel guilty because, you know, we don't have our house fixed when somebody shows up and it's cleaned, you know, the, the when they never show up. It's We feel guilty over absolutely everything. And it's it's a constant work in progress for me to remind myself that sometimes it's, Shit's just okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and, and, and I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think also, and I think there's there's still moments when you you have a hard time accept, I don't know if accepting is the right word, but being okay with it is recognizing and truly understanding that, look, there are nights where, where I'm just having fun playing with you. I'm have I'm truly just having a ton of fun making you come several times and getting you to that point where you're literally tell, telling me uh, that you need me to stop because you're now your body is hypersensitive and it's becoming like potentially uncomfortable. <laughs> and and there are times when we after that we just fall asleep. And many times the next the next morning you the first thing that you you do is you apologize to me that oh we we may not have actually had sex or um, that I didn't get off. But there are times like when you say that it's like I had a perfectly fun night. I really enjoyed <laughs> myself. I slept like a baby, <laughs> you know. And and for me is I, I think a lot of people like going kind of circling back and maybe tying this up in a. It, a little bit since largely my fault we've been kind of going out on on some tangents here <laughs> is that the idea i certainly don't want people who are considering the lifestyle or new to the lifestyle to feel that um, a dominant submissive relationship is all about just a dominant having their their fun and getting their rocks off at the expense of the submissive if anything for, as far as I'm concerned, a true dom, a someone who has the responsibility given to them, and is a privilege to be given that responsibility, really needs to put their needs and their desires second 
and in a, in many ways subservient to what what the submissive wants. Like I I think I told you this one in one of the first conversations that we had about this topic is that while I am the dominant, the power in the relationship truly lies with you, because you as a submissive are the one who is conferring that authority to me. Mm-hmm. And by the same token, you hold the authority to take it all back. And I have. just I, <laughs> th- This is something that I think needs to also be said for those that are, are looking into this or wanting to kind of dip your toes into it. You know, just because you, you accept being a submissive that day or you accept being a dominant that day doesn't mean that you have to every single day. It means that you are, for this moment in time, and, and you discuss this up front, you know, again, communication, most important thing, um, you know, is this going to be for a scene? And if you're unfamiliar with some of these terms, you know, a, a scene is a given point of time. Um, if you're going to be together for a couple of hours and this is what you want to do, then make sure you clarify that up front before you get into your 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 um, your uh, subspace or your, your dominant space. And um, if it's something that's 24-7, like it is for, for Big Daddy and I, it's, um, you know, it, this is something we will discuss further on in our podcast as well, kind of how we live a 24-7 BDSM lifestyle, um, you know, as parents and, and living in a vanilla world and still having our our time together. Um, you know, it's, it, it's just communication. I can't stress enough that you can take it away when you need to. If you feel that at that moment in time, I, I have times where I've had just a shit week. And I am in no mood to be a submissive. I don't want to, to, you know, be on my my hands and knees. I don't want to be spanked. I don't want to to lower my head to anyone. I want to stand up and say, shut the fuck up. I am not in the mood for this shit. Again, switch coming out a little bit. Yeah. I, I well, and, and, and also <laughs> let's let's be completely candid. Sometimes the the revoking of that um, of that submission or the revoking of the authority that you gave to me. Sometimes it's not just because you may have had a shit week. Sometimes it's because I've been the shit. <laughs> and, and it's Fair. it's a and, and in those moments I, I certainly understand because it's something that that authority is not something that I take. That authority is something that I earn. Um, and and here's another pointer for those of you who are look especially for those of you who are think who feel that you got you are a you may be a submissive and you're looking to meet people or um, or explore that um, lifestyle. If you meet anyone who claims to be a dom, who the first thing that they say just because you're a submissive is you are mine, I am taking you, run and run fast. Yeah. Um, you, that you submission is you give it, you give it to them. Um, I will say to you one of the most powerful things that um that my wife has ever spoken to me is when she said she was the one who came to me and say i want you to be my dom or or she is the one who is accepting the collaring um but anybody who comes in and just say oh because you are a because you are a submissive and they are or they claim to be a dom that immediately you are their submissive has got it all wrong. It has to be earned. And this is something that I still live by every single day. And my earning it is by showing the caretaking is by doing all those little things and continuously and repeatedly earning that trust, which goes back to my point earlier is guess what? If I've been a shit, I deserve to have that authority <laughs> taken <laughs> away. <laughs> exactly. It's it's something that is also always being adjusted. Um, if you're dabbling in it, or even if you've been in it for a while and you're you're trying to figure out a way to talk about maybe changing things up or something just isn't working for you the way it used to, whatever it is, um, I think the the one of the best things about being in in this sort of relationship that my my husband and I are in. It's truly a an open forum. We have to be open with each other. We have to get the 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 uncomfortable 
aspects of things out of the way and say, okay, listen, this isn't working for me anymore. And, you know, sometimes I may not know why. Maybe one day mm-hmm. I, I want to have his hand around my throat and then other days I don't want it to even be touching me, you know, because I've had just a, a rough day and I'm just feeling really cruddy about myself and I just truly want to be cuddled. It's okay to voice that and let your dominant know that that's what you need at that moment in time. Um, you know, remembering that this is a power exchange, you know, it's not always going to be a 50, 50, it's going to be an 80, 20 some days. And your dominant is going to have to step up and and help push you to, to be a better you and to take care of yourself or to be there to, to take care of you. And then the same respect, on the days that your dominant needs the time to maybe process whatever it is he's going through or she's going through, whether you're dom or domain, um, you need to be a good submissive to, to be able to be there. Or if you can't be a submissive at that time, be there in whatever capacity you can to meet whatever need, whether it's emotional or, or in a scene for that person. And that's, that's where I think, you know, this type of lifestyle is um, it's an intense lifestyle it is one that I don't recommend anyone ever just play in, but truly do your research before you dip your toes into it. Um, and just know that it's extremely fulfilling. Yeah, because I, I think one of the things that it's really worth mentioning too is that I think a lot of people, when they hear BDSM or the lifestyle in general, they understandably, um, they immediately think about all oh, the physical aspects of it. They they think about the physical acts. They think about the um, the sexual aspects. Sex itself is such but, a minor, yeah, tiny, uh, itsy bitsy piece of of the whole lifestyle. It yeah, really but is. but for me, BDSM is life's greatest and most fantastic mindfuck. <laughs> but by the same token, it can also be the most dangerous because you are going deeper. Um, we we talk a lot about as a dominant i don't just have ownership or control over your body it's mind and soul as well and i take great care of that um to make sure that i'm not doing anything that is truly in any way um hurtful because it just it just hits that much deeper if it does yeah. Um, and I think that's also part of the reason why a lot of times when we do have our fights, they are a lot more intense because there is a, um, we are just connected in a much deeper level than, um, than just the physical. Um, there is an inherent trust that you place in me that makes you truly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. So I, I think it's one of those things where for me, and, and that's where a lot of times the pleasure comes from too. It's not just the physical, it's the psychological. But as a dom, it's up to, to that person who's wanting to take take on that role to really analyze themselves and ask yourself, is this something I'm capable of doing? Can I yeah. truly be trusted to this extent? And am I willing to take on that responsibility of, of truly the caretaking of another human being? Yeah, because I think one of the things... Um, I think is a really good example is um, our particular, and this is just a little bit of context to understand this particular example. Um, in our relationship, we certainly fall into um, the daddy little girl or DDLG dynamic where um, we shy away from the master slave. We are very, it, we have what I consider very much a gentle um, dominant type um, dynamic where my goal is not to dominate, but my goal is really a caretaking. Um, but now imagine from my wife's perspective where she is reliant on me to give the caretaking. And if I had a particularly bad day at work and I am just drained and I am not in a mindset to provide that caretaking, but I am not also being communicative of it unless the communication is there. And I'm giving this example because I've stepped on that particular landmine (laughs) where if I am not myself 
emotionally, mentally, or just physically from from energy wise available. When you're being an asshole. Basically, yes. <laughs> um, and I haven't given her the heads up and say, hey, I need to hit pause on this tonight. I can't play that role because I am just fucking tired. It leaves her feeling neglected. It leaves her feeling cast aside. Neither of which are things that I want her to feel and neither of which are things that I'm even doing to her consciously. But because of the dynamic, absent that communication and absent being able to hit pause and to exactly like you say, that self-awareness and say, you know what? Tonight is not, <laughs> I, 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 need, I need to exit that space. And it's okay. You drop in, we drop into that space. We exit that space. There are times sometimes we exit that space for several days at a time. If we're having a particular rough one with the kids or there are so many other curveballs life is throwing at us that we say, you know what? We've got to take a break from this because we've got shit to take care of. And we've been doing this um, for two years now, almost. Um, it'll be two years in August where this is the lifestyle that we've had for, you know, 24 seven um, with, with some breaks here in between. Um, but overall it's honestly, it's, it's made me, I, I will say this for myself. I cannot speak for every submissive out there. Um, but I will say that the ones that I've spoken to and that I've bec become friends with, they, we, we share this kind of camaraderie that we, we enjoy that extra push. It's almost like having a coach that is always there with you um, by, you know, our Dom is our coach. They, they help inspire us to be better than we ever thought we could. Um, my, my husband helps me in so many ways, reminding me to, you know, drink more water, to um, have I taken care of myself? Have I taken my vitamin? Just having those little extra things, or if I'm in a busy meeting during the day and I'm just swamped because I have all of the, these crazy things going on. And he just brings me in a bite to eat because he knows that I haven't had an opportunity. It, it's things like that, that look on the outside to a vanilla life. You know, I, I keep saying the word vanilla to, to someone not in the lifestyle. Um, on the outside, it looks like just a, a regular, oh, that's so sweet. He's being so nice for us on the inside, because we know what, what we are and, and what that dynamic there is. I'm sitting there feeling so grateful to my dom for taking such amazing care of me. And it's, I, I don't have to even think about myself for a minute. I can truly put 110% into my work and empower myself up in that way without having to worry about my own personal needs or, or my, my bodily needs. Um, he takes care of that for me and it takes a tremendous amount of trust. It takes a, a tremendous amount of of acceptance of what that is for me, but it's truly the greatest thing I, I can ever imagine. Without him, I wouldn't be—I I wouldn't have gotten my doctorate. I wouldn't be where I am today in my my job and in my position in life. And um, you know, I—I'm I, throwing this out there for anybody who is interested in, in learning more about BDSM. This this podcast in particular episode is meant to be kind of an overview, like a 101 kind of thing, um, into what gentle BDSM or romantic BDSM is, uh, what sex positive lifestyle really is for us. And as we go into the next one, I think maybe our next one, we can dive further into um, exhibitionism, which is super fun. One of my favorite topics. Um, what do yeah. you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, I, I know in the past we've invited um, everyone to send us a message, um, let us know what you think, give us your thoughts. And I think this is certainly a topic that is, is truly important to us um, mm -hmm. because it has brought so much good um, to, to our lives. And we certainly want to be a resource to anybody who's interested um, or just meet more people who are like-minded as us. So I I definitely encourage anybody who's listening um, who, what, whether you be um, a experience in the lifestyle, whether you be a complete newbie who just started or someone who's just curious and have no idea what this is even about um, to message us, like send us something. Is there something that you want us to talk about, whether it be 
like exploring more about how our particular dynamic is because you're just interested to see if it's something that um, you would be into. Um, or, or if you just want advice. Or just <laughs> advice or hell, like, heck, we, we are... Sex positive is one way of describing us, but we're also just very naughty people. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes. And so, if you if you guys want to talk about fetishes of what our fetishes are, um, this really is also our outlet to have those discussions. So, if there's any interest like that, please do not hesitate to send us a message. Um, look, worst we can do is, yeah, say. <laughs> Yep, that is not a topic that we want to talk about, but I think we hopefully in in hearing us talk you about in the right this, direction. Yeah, exactly. We can like you in the right direction. Um, and on, then what the next podcast? Honestly, I I want to do. Uh, I mentioned um, exhibitionism, but one of the other topics that will go along with that is um, our experience is going to sex clubs. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> yes, where we used to frequent pre-COVID. Um, sex clubs, uh, if you're not familiar with it before you go, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, the, the sex clubs that we frequented it, frequented it, is that a word? Frequent, frequented, um, where we used to go, (laughs) yeah, where we used to patronize, um, we, they were very upscale. They were mansions, you know, in the Beverly Hills area. They were really amazing people that we would meet, um, people that were professionals, uh, and I don't mean professionals in the industry. I mean, professionals like in life, you know, doctors and lawyers and moms and, and, and dads, moms and dads, you know, that you know, all of us are sitting there over drinks, chit chatting with each other. While and people are getting calls from their babysitters. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all sitting there half naked. You know, it's, it's really, it was a very eye-opening experience, um, being a part of that lifestyle and something that we, we, from day one, first time going, we were just hooked. It's just completely, <laughs> I miss it so much. Um, so our next podcast will really center on on all of that fun stuff and some of our experiences. Um, we hope to hear about your experiences if you've been to, to any and if you have any funny stories. Um, we saw some crazy stuff happen. I've seen some great, I've been a part of some crazy things going on in those places. So <laughs> I would really love to hear about other people's experiences as well. Um, so until next time, everybody, hope you've enjoyed and... Duty calls.